0: In today's special episode, we'll be looking back at 2022. What did we notice in the market? What did we see? What will we remember the year about? Have a good show. Welcome to Talent Sevi, the podcast that inspires you on all things talent. From the Netherlands, my name is Bas van der Hatert. From Ireland is Des. And from London is Akbar Karenga. Welcome both. So we're doing a special end of the year show. Unfortunately, some of us aren't here because the entire talent savvy crew was, of course, invited. Some are having some login problems and might join later, and some just uh, couldn't make it today during the recording. But what we're going to be doing today is looking back at 2022. What were the things we saw happening? What were the things which are really cool? Which were things we really hoped we wouldn't see in 2022. But let's start with a little personal note. Des, how was 2022 for you? It was really great. I started to work with Immersive,
1: which is a great crew. (laughs) I was freelancer most of of the time before that in the past years. And it was really great, the dynamics and uh, working more in-house, which was new for me, like as an embedded talent sourcer. And also working in new technologies and markets. Like the UK wasn't, I didn't do tech sourcing in the UK. I, I had the chance to do it and it was working really well. While uh, some people, but maybe Akbar would, <laughs> will, will uh, either underline or or, or, uh, or give a different perspective that uh, like I've heard it at least from Hungary and recruiters, they don't like too much the UK. But maybe it's just between Hungary and not Ireland and UK. Anyway, uh, personally, it was really great. With my family, uh, my kids are have turned on twelve and thirteen, and we've never had a big family summer holiday kind of thing. While this year we had like that, that's when I started to do talent survey as well. That's when we first spoke with Bas uh, when we were in Transylvania, practically. So it was really, really uh, lovely in this sense.
0: All right, Akbar, how was your twenty twenty two? It was. A year of change. So I started the
2: year at an amazing uh, scale up. Then I got headhunted to move to a younger business. And then whatever happened, happened in terms of the market. And then weirdly, my consultancy was just super successful during Q3. I reconnected with some old people and I've got some news that I can't say until the new year. So that on a business level has been up and down and in and out. So I've technically worked for three companies and myself so that's really sick on a personal level i would say being a new dad was absolutely amazing just going through that that first year but then i really enjoyed this was our first full year without the many onerous covid restrictions that had been before so getting on a plane for the first time that was really really good probably the last closing one was still seeing things that i really care about like remote working transparency of salaries across countries and like distributed teams they're not going away uh, and the debate is still happening
0: which is really really encouraging for me and my values yeah and for me i was for the first time in australia speaking at events there which was just amazing and, and spending uh, three weeks with the amazing hum Lee just traveling together doing events in Australia. My big negative was that I, for the first time in 17 years, had to cancel an event because I just couldn't make it work. Nobody wanted to show up to one of my recruitment events, which was probably because the timing was the worst ever. I didn't, I'm doing an event on selection when nobody could ever find a single candidate. So they were like, yeah, I, how can I select somebody if I can't even get them to apply? And the funny thing was the event a couple of months later was my very best event ever, both in attendance as a number of sponsors and I'm actually selling sponsorships now faster and more than ever for that event again. So it's, it's been a year of ups and downs in interestingly enough in the very same industry. So the one thing I've learned is the difference between success and failure is very, very close together and very often has to do more, more with the positioning. So my selection event is actually going to be a DNI and i event. I always said, listen, if you do get selection right, at least the D from D&I will increase if you get more bias out. And now I'm just pivoting it and calling it a DNI and i event and making selection one of the things in there. So it's been a really interesting and like you said, crazy year for me personally. So now let's look back at what are the coolest things we saw happening in the market. Let's, let's start on a positive note. If we look back at 2022, what's the most cool positive thing that you saw happening, Des? For me, it was mostly related to
1: helping with internal hiring and having more networking activity Towards other talent sourcers in the U.S. in Europe as well. That was the coolest for me. So it's not even a technology. Like in technology, I had a few small things, like you know, like personalization and few small tools that was really helpful, and I still use it uh, every day. But it, it's just small things. So practically, there wasn't wasn't anything huge that that I added on, or that was that I would have like you know, sort of discovered this year.
2: Akbar. I would say that the talent community has gotten smaller and closer in small as in terms. It used to be, though this person is doing this unusual thing over there and I don't know much about it. But us here, we're an expression of that. More podcasts, more thought leadership, more content around there. And I just feel like it's, it's a general upskilling of our profession. And everyone, and I've been lucky enough now for half the year to see on the agency side, which is something I haven't really worked with for most of my 12 years. And seeing so many of those misconceptions get broken down, I, I genuinely think the people who are still in this profession now, this time, are raising the bar in terms of professionalism. And there's more of an esteem. Uh, there's an amazing story of Asima, she set up a higher pie, which is a a Python based uh, agency herself. And she was like, she was a chemical engineer who decided to build that as a, uh, build a recruitment agency, as opposed to doing a very traditional role. And I'm like, Oh wow. Me 10 years ago, I would never have considered that. So that's still giving me a lot of
0: encouragement regarding the industry. Actually, when you said the closeness, and that's this is a big shout out to our listeners down under, what I've noticed is the closeness of the talent community down under, the way they take care of each other, the way they know about each other. They're actually friends, not just business-like friends, but friends' friends, a lot of them, Mm -hmm. and they help each other. They take care of each other. That was something which I was just amazed about because in the Netherlands, most recruiters and especially more a lot of the talent leaders don't really like each other and there uh, there's a lot of no i mean there there's a group which gets along quite well but not outside of work but there's also a lot of envy and what i've seen in australia was actually the closeness and the sharing. And I don't know if this is because Andrea Kirby is doing amazing things with her talent table and getting those people to sit together and open up and share, or if it's just because Australians have more of a we culture, which is something I've really seen there. It's, it's, you know, the Dutch are extremely individual. The Aussies are extremely, like they said, mateship is really something there. But that was really amazing. And from actually from a tech perspective, it's something which popped up the last couple of weeks. The way open AI and ChatGTP and now it's all the four leader pieces and this could happen and that could happen. But I've been playing around with it. This is actually revolutionary. If twenty twenty two I'm gonna remember anything, it's how much AI has progressed into Useful tools for recruiting. Yeah, we did, we discussed
1: that. I didn't didn't mention it as, as the like highlight, but again, like in the green room, sort of we discussed a bit. I view that it will be probably the last year, in my feeling. Like you know, even I discussed with my wife that you know twenty years back, or like and even a bit before that, in the late nineties, I was in Yahoo groups and discussing singularity as a, as a topic and this reminds me that it may you know, we may be closer now really to that point where it's going to be like in singularity you have the, the rate of change and the complex and the complexity of things around you are changing so quick that you you know that practically there will be a point where you you know with regular human understanding it will be really hard to you know follow <laughs> and it's sort of maybe like you know bit uh, you know feeling like that in in points like again as I, as i mentioned i what i believe is the the lower level the 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 more the regular maybe craftsmanship is is a good good word for it like where you only need uh, a certain experience and craftsmanship to perform you know some type of task you know maybe just pre screening uh, like as as we have even heard it or read it about amazon that like you know they they're trying to do some pre screening with ai and then only pop over but bus has also a great told us great example about it you know i think the lower the lower level the easier task may go first
0: yeah well i i'll get back to that amazon thing first but for uh, because that's really something else but akbar any uh, have you been playing around with it anything you've seen in the ai part of, of what really changed 2022 no, I, I still feel like we have
2: space to just implement basics like double blind tests and rubrics. So I, I think maybe many organizations need to get to that certain level because I, I'm very much focused on the DEI part. And there's always a part of me, if it's the more it's introduced, how white uh, hat or black hat is this? Can we actually look at the algorithm behind it, if it's involved in selection? And is there an opportunity for it to fossilize and accelerate imperfect and discriminatory human behaviour going forward. There's always gonna be that element there, especially when we're talking about if it's the first funnel, the top of the funnel curation, anything after the fact yeah has been has been owned and has been mangled.
0: No, I, I I totally agree. What I was thinking, and, and let, let's try to finish this topic first before we get to the selection part of AI, because that's a completely different topic, but the creation part of AI. So I'm seeing now AI tools being able to write really great job descriptions or, or actually acceptable job descriptions. But then again, the bar is, of course, very low when it comes to writing job descriptions. Oh, oh yeah, I see what you see. Yeah, I, I was going in a... Di- completely like the
2: nlp creation that's interesting mitch sullivan w- from copywriting re- in recruitment he will go crazy if he hears a difference in a job ad and a job just sp- specification i'm going to defend his corner there mitch if you're listening i said it
0: yeah no it's it's and I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying that if you looked at, and uh, uh, Hung had a great a couple of great examples in, in Brain Food this time, where he just asked it, you know, what are the key qualities for a, a data engi- data engineer, if I'm not mistaken, or data scientist? And it would just sum up a really generic, but really good job description. And if you get it to write a job ad, it's actually pretty close to what the better ones Now, are which says a lot about the quality that we currently use. But what I'm thinking about most recruiters are really good at improving a bit or pointing out the mistakes. You know, I mean, we are a lot of them are excellent at saying there was a spelling mistake in his uh, resume, or there was a point and it should have been a comma in that uh, cover letter. You know, we're excellent at that. So, what if AI could actually do the basics? And we can get recruiters in their strength, finding the mistakes and correcting them. So editing the job description instead of creating it from scratch and then not wanting to edit what they've already created. I'm going to be
2: contentious on that because I think no job description should ever tell what the job does. Stop telling accountants what an accountant does because they know because they've had 15 years of being an accountant. And also, if you look at the the typical like hours slice of internet activity and notifications, you will win and lose somebody in the second sentence of, of a job advert. Like, wow, lie, do something silly, be tongue in cheek or be challenging. I guarantee if, it just, I'm using my hand now and I'm just showing the scroll feature. If you scroll more than once, You've lost somebody because they've got an Instagram post, their wife or partner has messaged them, and they've just got an advert for Domino's Pizza.
0: I agree in part with you, and yet I have seen, for example, I, I, I worked at a university for a while, and we I actually started for full professors, and you are think like, well, a full professor has, been a prof- has at least been an associate professor because that's the only way you'll ever become a full professor, so they know what they do. And we actually wrote, I actually make it mandatory to write in our job ads that a full professor in the Netherlands has 40% research time, 40% teaching time, 20% management time and I got feedback from the professors like that's bullshit why do we need to write that in and I'm like well you taught in Germany or you taught in the UK or the US or is it the same you know or is the job carved up the same no I said and that's why we need to put it in there because apparently in the Netherlands we have difference in how we expect you to use your time as a full professor we actually saw applications go up because there's a certain perception, like, oh, the Dutch only do t- teaching. No, it was like, and we, people love that clarity. That's transparency. yeah. So sometimes, uh, Akbar, because I agree, an accountant should know what an accountant is, but a head of accounting at a certain firm might or might not have certain
2: tasks. Uh, I'm able to distill it to, you know, when you see the line, ad hoc tasks given by manager, or business development points where it's like you you are expected to contact uh, customers and it's just like can you separate what you have described from the essential meaning of the noun which is the job and i i see a lot of those types of things that take up space they're not even i'm not saying they're inherently bad it, it, it's just you, you're explaining something that maybe somebody already knows
0: no i agree i mean but we already established that most job descriptions are terrible. And we've actually uh, republished the episode on job descriptions uh, last week. So people uh, can still uh, listen back to it. Yeah. Cool. Now we already mentioned also AI in selection. 2022 might actually be the year where, where we can say that Amazon screwed up again because they just launched according to internal documents, Uh, like Des already said, a tool which again is going to be selecting or doing the first selection based on resumes after it first went completely rogue the first time. And thank God they got a great auditing, right? I mean, they audited it, it never went live and they said, we can't fix it. And instead of fixing the root problem, which is the data that goes in there are resumes and a resume has no predictive value whatsoever. And that's why... An AI cannot function. I have never seen an AI functioning on resumes, but that's because there's no scientific evidence of anything in a resume being able to predict future performance. Amazon has decided to try it yet again, and now they say it's unbiased. I'm just wondering is it gonna select out quality candidates or not?
1: I'm more of a talent source, so for me me it would it would just only come up like, you know, in a kickoff meeting when I get a resume from somebody that I have to take as a, as like, this is a golden standard maybe. And then Mm -hmm. it would be like, okay, that informs me of, okay, how, you know, how the ideal profiles should roughly look like maybe, you know, from the background. And I try to ask of like, okay, what's more, what they like about it. But Mm -hmm. then obviously I'm a human, like, you know, so much more like I'm, you know, obviously maybe with, with some biases as well, like when, when I see tech profiles or like, you know, different stuff, but like at, at least, you know, that informs me, but it's not, it's not the same. And I'm not so great in selection, I would say. In this
2: sense. Okay. But my challenge is, so let's focus on uh, tenure in position being a predictive just number. So a couple of years ago, it was 4.9 for certain types of roles in the US. Now it's moved to 3.4. For example, that that sort would be there. Now, if there was a, a predictive model that said, Oh, why are these people now eh, having more turnover? And then for some weird reason they might say they are less likely to be successful, the context that a model like this takes out is we had COVID. Or there was uh, outside factors beyond CV that explained. So is it smart enough to teach that context? Or even just the law of big numbers, larger businesses have larger ex-employee pools so if it's saying company background is something that is a predictor on future performance just because there's loads of people who used to work for pepsi doesn't mean that inherently they are better and then that but there's just more data on them and then there could be over indexing on that aspect there so i find it's a it's a flawed anything if it's a document that is literally we're using the latin for it still Please let's not call it a, a modern document that predicts anything.
0: No, I, I totally agree. And we, like I said, we, scientists have tried to find anything which relates to future job performance in a resume, and there just isn't anything there. So no AI on that will work. I got another thing I want to want to throw at you. One of the things looking back at 2022, which surprised and annoyed me. Is the number of, and this is of course, selection and assessment, which is my big passion, as you know, the number of times selection tools have failed, because they bought the wrong tool, they didn't get good advice, they just bought something which they thought should work, it went biased. They noticed it went biased. That's the positive thing. At least they they saw all of a sudden everybody for who Dutch, for example, is their second language being excluded from the process. Yet, then all of a sudden, all assessments are bad. Instead of, oh, we bought a tool which is very heavy on language. We should not have bought this tool. Let's look at... You know, the mistakes we made in the buying process. Mm-hmm. And I've heard so often in 2022, assessments are bad, assessments are biased, assessments are crap. And every time it comes back to you bought the wrong tool and you fell for a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the things which I will remi- uh, remember 2022 about as well. Have you guys seen uh, a lot of bad tech buying decisions? I think
2: the ATSs at the mid-market and even some of the larger players, it's been a great year for them in terms of increased features. I I don't want to name names because it's, it's got so many different options, but I'm really, really impressed. So things that were like a nice, shiny key feature a couple of years ago, is like, but it doesn't do that. So auto aggregating to job boards on the front end, the partnerships play on that and it's been really strong. And now that's a given double blinds or anonymizing CVs. That's now a flip-on feature for a lot of processes now. And then I think it used to be the classic, oh, we'll sell you a CRM or we'll sell you an analytics module on top of the core ATS. And I think now there's a a, a great understanding. No, give us some semblance of that feature. Let that be in place and then let it be a, a markup, yes. But don't sell it as a separate function and there's Three or four people, I think, in the mid-market are absolutely smashing it, but it's part of a larger trend.
0: That is a really cool positive note. There's any positive or negative things you remember 2022 about? Yeah, there's there's no, like, you know, again,
1: in, in, in tech tools, I haven't, you know, there, there's just smaller additions. Also, for me, it was, again, like, you know, going more into, you know, working in-house, that was a big, big thing. And then dynamic of, like, you know, working in team, that wasn't really there for me. It was always smaller or I was a sole, you know, like in screaming box, it was freelancers working with freelancers. I was, you know, going after freelancers. So it was again, like, you know, more like me being somebody, like, you know, just starting up the function for them. It was great in many ways. I haven't seen any, any tech tools, but I also noticed like, you know, for example, recruitment CRM, which is something really central and it can be really helpful when you have, you know, separate time sourcers to have a recruitment CRM as well. Otherwise, you know, in the ATS, like, you know, Everybody who my source are not going into the ATS, only the ones that are the accepted submittals. So if you only have an ATS as a client, or like I would be in house as well, and we only have an ATS and no recruitment theorem, that my, you know, most of my work, what I do. Which could be used again in the same streak or win that we already discussed. That like you know the, uh, the silver medalists and the bronze medalists are never you know really taken care of as an asset for future hiring. But the same thing goes about like you know just searching with Boolean in the ATS. Many, many you know, not the best recruiters, but generally many recruiters don't even probably do that. Like you know to find people who are already there. Maybe if they come from agency because then it's natural.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to be talking about our hopes and our expectations for 2023 in the next couple of episodes. So um, let's just, if you can summarize, what will you take away from this year in the world of recruitment in general in 2022 in one sentence? What will you remember the year about? Do the opposite of what
2: Elon Musk will do in anything talent or people related. Awesome. There's
0: anything to add, or should we just end on that?
1: No, we, we can end on that. But again, like for me, again the community, again finding the communities, or even on Facebook and and everywhere, and going into the some of the conferences for you know which is talent sourcing related, like HFTX and everything. That was that was pretty great. But again, like even even finding talent, sorry, that was that was a big win for me. Like you know, to be able to learn from you guys and you know add what I whatever I can.
0: All right. So on that note, I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you like our show, give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show and we'll be back next week.